We're wrapping up the Cousin Jesus to Abba Father series today, but I wanted to take a second to remind you and me that our relationship with God shouldn't be like a distant cousin, only calling when there's family news or to catch up after a long time. We need to remember that we are daughters of the Most High God. We call Him Abba Father. It doesn't matter how far you've gotten from the Abba Father relationship either. It doesn't matter how much you might have blamed God for your loss or questioned Him on why He let it happen or why you have to walk through yet another rough season. You may feel like your life as you knew it is over and you might want to quit 10 times a day. But the good news is, and the thing I pray I share on a weekly basis, is that there is hope. I met a man this week who was on death row, literally on death row in prison, and he is now out of prison. He has a family, and he's helping others who are still incarcerated. See, God is all about restoration. Listen today for a great reminder on how to stay close to God as Abba Father. Hey friend, welcome to the Grief to Great Day podcast. Do you feel like you're going crazy? Is the shower the only place for you to really cry? Are you surrounded by people, but you still feel all alone? Do you want to be the you you were before your loved one died, but you have no idea how to get there? I'm Steph Cabanis, Southern by choice, wife, turtle triathlete, Jesus follower, and fellow traveler in the journey of grief. I too struggled to breathe, questioned God and my faith, and thought I would never be happy again. But God took my brokenness and he turned it into a breakthrough. So if you're ready to understand how to navigate grief, lean into your faith and take just one step towards healing, then bring your ugly cry, get into a comfortable place, even if that's your bed right now, and let the healing begin. Girl, there's hope for your future. Come on in the house and join me on the couch. I'm Steph and this is Grief to Great Day. Thank you for being here. I hope you always feel welcomed and heard through this podcast. Hello to everyone listening in Canada, my northern neighbor, and our spotlight country. And in the U.S., California takes over as the state with the most downloads this week. Grief to Great Day is downloaded in over 90 countries now. That tells me that there's a need to talk about grief and that it's felt throughout the world. So know that whatever country or state you're in, you're not alone. I know there are new listeners each week, so if that's you, welcome to the podcast you never wanted to need. I'm glad you're here because it tells me you're taking steps, important steps towards your healing. Now for you new listeners, if you hear me talk about Monica, her faith or her death, and you need some background, just go to my website, grief2greatday.com, and click on the book tab. Her faith journey through the last six months of her life was unreal, and her death changed me. She is actually the reason that you are listening to me today. In this podcast, we talk about understanding grief. It is not just being sad. We talk about how to get through the day and growing your faith, even if you don't want to talk to God right now. So if you're just starting your journey, please know life will change. It will not always hurt like this. It's important for you to hear that often. That's not to say that you're going to stop missing your loved one because you won't. 
but you will be able to breathe, to laugh, and to live again. In this fourth and final episode on Cousin Jesus to Abba Father, we're going to talk about how to become dependent on God. If you think about your life, where does your dependency lie? So when something goes right, who's the first on your mind to tell about it? When something goes wrong, who do you want to run to? Now, I imagine that your loved one comes to mind for both of those things. What's important here is that while you are walking through grief, you become more dependent on God than other people, other relationships, or any other self-medicating things like alcohol, pills, or food. Easy to say, I know, but it's incredibly important for you to become dependent on the only one who can heal you and fill you with peace and joy. Other people, relationships, all that stuff won't bring peace and joy. And the self-medicating, well, that will just take you down some harder roads. This, my friend, is a daily struggle, and you're going to get tired of the fight, but you have to keep fighting. So I'm going to go back to my childhood friend's sister who had a blog and can eloquently highlight what I'm talking about. Kathy now lives in heaven, but she's still making an impact on earth. I think the title of this blog will help you remember in the day-to-day fight what you need to do. So here's her blog. It's entitled Jehoshaphat That. Now that's just kind of fun to say, Jehoshaphat That. Kathy says, I have a new strategy for the summer. No matter what comes my way, I am determined to Jehoshaphat That, whatever that might be. Let me explain. As you may know, summer is my busy season in ministry, and with all the busyness comes a ton of spiritual battles as well. Couple that with the weariness that is inevitable, and it's a long and draining season. But about a week ago, I was reading in Second Chronicles during my quiet time. It was a story I've heard many times before, but this time when I read it, I realized that it lays out a very effective strategy for doing ministry doing relationships, doing life. It's a way to Jehoshaphat that. So here's how the story goes. Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. He had ill-advisedly aligned himself with Ahab, the king of Israel. Hundreds of years earlier, those two kingdoms had been one, but they had split apart as part of God's judgment against Solomon's sin of idolatry. Over the years, Judah and Israel occasionally fought each other, and every once in a great while, they joined forces against a common enemy. So Ahab, the wicked idol-worshipping king of Israel, had concocted a plan where he would invite Jehoshaphat and his God-fearing kingdom of Judah to join forces with him against a host of surrounding armies. He actually tried to protect himself by having Jehoshaphat go out in all his royal garb while Ahab dressed as a common soldier. That way, if things went badly, and they did, Ahab could more easily escape. However, that plan did not end well for Ahab. He ended up being shot and killed by a stray arrow while God helped Jehoshaphat escape. However, the surrounding nations still wanted war. So they set out against Judah. And when King Jehoshaphat learned that they were coming back for more, he did what every great leader does first. He cried out to God. In fact, I love how the Amplified Version tells it. It says, Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set himself determinately as his vital need to seek the Lord. 
The king also called for the entire nation to fast and pray with him, seeking God's help. And this is what Jehoshaphat's prayer for posterity said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nation? Power and might are in your hand. There is no one able to take a stand against you. In other words, King Jehoshaphat reminded God of his character and heart, who he is and all he can do. Had God forgotten that? No, of course not. But in reminding God of those things, Jehoshaphat was doing two things. He was reminding himself of those truths, and he was declaring his dependence on God. He laid aside any pride that said, I'm the king, I've got this, and instead humbled himself before the king of kings. In the next part of his prayer, the terrified king lays out all the specifics of the problem before the king of kings. And sure enough, God answers three priests named Jehaziel. He tells King Jehoshaphat, the Lord says this to you. Be not afraid or dismayed at this great multitude, for the battle, it's not yours, but God's. Go down against them tomorrow. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the river valley in the front of the wilderness of Jerul. You need not fight in this battle. Take your positions, stand, and witness the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and O Israel. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Here's the thing. God didn't give them a specific battle strategy. He had done that for other leaders and kings in their history. But this time, there is no real battle plan, just a command to head for a certain spot. And the reminder that he will be with them and they do not have to be afraid. In light of the lack of specific instructions, I love what King Jehoshaphat does next. It is the crux of the strategy. He sends out the chief worshipers first, not the commanders, not the cavalry, not the most experienced soldiers, but the priests, the religious leaders, the worship leaders. And as they get their praise party on, God worked on their behalf. They didn't even realize it at first. It wasn't until they set a scout up a watchtower that they realized that God had done exactly what he said he would do. He fought the battle for them. When they looked out over all the enemy troops, they realized they were all dead. They had turned on each other so that while the people were busy praising, the enemy was busy dying. And then they got to reap the spoils. In fact, the Bible says it took them three days to gather all the goodies from the fallen armies. But check out what they did after they gathered it all. They had another praise party, thanking God for all he had done. And that, my friends, that is how you Jehoshaphat that. But to make it simpler, I've broken down what Jehoshaphat did into steps. And I hope you find it easy to apply to your life. Step one, tell God the problem or problems in all their gory detail. Lay it out before him. Yes, he already knows. But because he is a good, good dad, he loves to hear from his kids. Lay it all out. The tiny and the huge, the gory and the gross, whatever it is. He wants to hear about it. Step two, declare the truth about who he is and who you are. Claim his promises. Stand on his word. Remember what he has done and thank him for what he will do again. He knows these things, but when you speak his word into the situation, you will be changed. You will do what Peter told the early church to do. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God Set aside self-righteous pride so that he may exalt you 
to a place of honor in his service at the appropriate time, casting all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns once and for all on him. And he cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you carefully. First Peter 5. And then he will do what only he can do, the very best thing, even if it's not what you think it should be. And he will do it at the right time, in the right way, because he is for you and not against you. Step three, believe. And because you believe, worship. Just that simple. For King Jehoshaphat, God had to speak through an earthly messenger. But you and I are so incredibly blessed that we have two things King Jehoshaphat did not the inspired word of God, and the indwelling Holy Spirit. This is where you can find God's answers to any situation by reading his word and asking the Holy Spirit to illuminate it for you. How will you know it's God and not your heart? Well, those two things, his word and the message from the Holy Spirit, they always match. And when you apply them, they are always matchless in power. Your job is to figure out God's heart on the matter through his word and then trust and obey, believe what he says. That's how you demonstrate that you actually trust him by living life his way. Make your life a living sacrifice, for this is your spiritual act of worship, Romans 12. And you will be amazed at what he can do and will accomplish. Instead of agonizing, strategizing, and striving to send in all your resources and best strategies to face that Leave the battle to him as you lead with praise. Step four, stand back and watch what God will do. He is God alone and he is good. Everything he does is right. And as Isaiah put it, since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. Isaiah 64. And finally, step five, collect the spoils conducting a praise party as you go, giving God all the glory, because he deserves it. After all, he did all the work. Your job was to trust and obey. He was to give the victory. Now, you may not see it in your timetable, but you will see it at just the right time. And that, my friends, is how you Jehoshaphat that. That's my plan for tackling all the challenges ahead. I hope it's yours as well. That's the end of the blog. But I'm going to recap those steps because they are so good. Step one, tell God the problem. Step two, declare the truth about who he is and who you are. Step three, believe. And because you believe, worship. Step four, stand back and watch what God will do. Step five, collect the spoils. And for you in grief, the spoils, that's peace. That's joy. That's purpose and hope for a tomorrow that you never saw coming. So this series was to illuminate through Kathy's blog the importance of reliance on God, on living like you're loved, letting go of the things you don't have control over, and how to remind yourself to depend on God, the only one who can give you the peace, the power, and purpose by Jehoshaphating that whatever the that is, your journey works or the work of your journey this week, I want you to Jehoshaphat that and try to say that. That's a tongue twister. Jehoshaphat that as much as you can. When you feel the fear, the anxiety, the pain or confusion of grief, Jehoshaphat it all. 
remind yourself over and over that God is the source of all, which means the outcome is for your best. The outcome will work together for good and the outcome will bring him glory while amazing you. The word of the week this week is Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Oh, and listen, something big is headed your way. I want you to join the private Facebook group. It's called the Grief Group for Christian Women to get the details before anyone else. And another hint, I gave you a hint last week. I'll give you a hint this week. You'll want to know about it. <laughs> that's that's all I got. You are going to want to know about it. So join the group. Yes, I will share things through email if you're on the email list and through this podcast, of course. But I still want you to join the Grief Group for Christian Women. You will be blessed by being a part of a group of faith-filled women walking out the same thing as you. If you're listening to this episode, it means you're doing the work of grief. And I know that's not easy. If you're ready to take another step towards your healing, there are more resources on the website, grief2greatday.com. If you don't have a church home, then visit mychurchopendoorchurch.com. But links to everything you need, including Kathy's blog, are in the show notes. In the meantime, remember who holds your future and know that you are not alone. Keep coming back to the house, keep sitting on the couch, and keep taking steps, however small or slow, towards your healing. Thank you for being here today, for showing up. If this podcast has given you hope, encouragement, or helped you in any way, share it with a friend, either in a text or on your social platforms. Also, please subscribe, rate, and leave a written review on iTunes. It's a huge blessing for me to know that you're out there. Lastly, and this is important, you are not alone. Connect with me on the Grief to Great Day website, the link is below, and sign up for our free newsletters. I want to be able to pray for you by name. Remember, grief isn't something you're going to get over, but a great day is something you can get to.